there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. I was, the, the title of this sermon, you're going to put it on the screen, please. Um, I really wanted Bob Marley to be in the background as I came on the stage. Three little birds. What a tune. There you go, Dan. You can sing it if you like. No. Don't worry about a thing. You know, there's lots of songs about worry. I could have chosen many. I, was gonna, I actually thought about singing the introduction to all of them before to see whether you could, like a bit of a karaoke, you know, but I, let's not go there. But there's lots songs about worry. Cause, and I think it's an apt title. I hope it is. Because I think it's a season that many of us are walking through at the minute in different ways. Um, and... Uh, I know that's true for me, because I am, I am a worrier. You wouldn't think that, would you? Well, some of you that know me know that's true. <laughs> but I am. I am a worrier. My mum used to call me a worry pot. She's very black country, my mum. She's from the deepest, darkest parts of Stickley Gornal. <laughs> and my dad's from Netherton. So, I mean, you don't get more black country than my upbringing. And they used to refer to me as their chafer. Chef. I'm a chafer. Yo, do off, where it are, wench. Which loosely translated is, my darling girl, you do worry sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I was, ch- oh, stop chafing, Arlene, stop chafing, I used to get, which means stop worrying, because I am a bit of a worry pot, a worry wart. Um, apparently, it's a family trait. My mum's got, <laughs> not got a leg to stand on. I used to think, what? You hypocrite, when she said that to me. Uh, my nanny Bradley, my mum's mum. Anyone ever call their nans by their surname to differentiate? Nanny Bradley and Nanny Prince, we had. It's different in our family. Now it's Nanny Sue. Love Nanny Sue. But my Nanny Bradley, she was a worrier as well. And uh, it's definitely part of our family trait, unfortunately. Um, but I know I'm not alone. Because I could look out on this sea of lovely, attractive faces and know that every single one of you is worried sometimes in your life. And some of you are just as bad as I am. You am chafers. Um, I worry a lot about my children. That tends to top the list of things. I'm going to do a little bit of, little bit of um, talking therapy now. Are you ready? Sit back. I worry about my kids a lot. Some of these concerns sound very stupid when I articulate them out loud, but the following things that I'm about to tell you have genuinely plagued me, even in the last few months, I kid you not. I worry about their health. I think that's fair enough. Yeah? That's okay. I worry about their schooling. That's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just easing you in. Uh, will they succeed academically? Will they manage socially? How will they cope if people make fun of them and are mean? What will they do if they're bullied? This is where, this is where the worry kicks in. What if I've got to take them out of school and home educate them? How am I going to cope as a home educator? Will I resent them for it? Uh, I worry about their hobbies. What if they aren't sporty? Matt's convinced me that if they can't play football, the boys will kick him in at uh, secondary school. Thanks, Matt. So, oh no, Thomas, Tom's all right at football. Dan's not remotely interested in football. So what if they're not sporty? They won't make any friends at high school. Uh, will they fit in if they, you know, they can't kick a ball around? Who are they going to sit? They're going to sit alone at lunchtime. Daniel's five, by the way. But when he's 13 or 14, what if he's hanging around the playground and no one talks to him? Um, because they're all the boys are kicking a ball around and my kids can't do it. I'll worry about their leisure time. Is Daniel too young for the videos he watches on YouTube? That's right, too young for the videos he watches on YouTube, kids. 
Are they holding him back academically? Is he watching stuff that should be watching, watched by babies? Is it turning him into a baby? Should Tom be playing those video games? Are they suitable? Are they going to make him violent or aggressive? I've watched bowling for Columbine. I know what happens. Uh, am I being too strict with what I let them watch? I don't let Tom play Fortnite because it's a Peggy 12 and he's nine and his friends have already, and this is true, labelled me the worst mother in the world. <laughs> I had to go to the school about that. That really happened. Um, but, um, so, oh no, I don't let them play the game. Am I going to get him, you know, picked on for that too? How, are they gonna, how am I going to cope when they're older and they're allowed to play Peggy 12 games and I don't know what to do? Well, how will I cope when they need more freedom and independence and choice? What if, oh my gosh, when they get phones, how am I going to handle the phones? I think I download filth and encounter cyberbullies. That's just the kids. I didn't give you all of them. That's just a, just a sample. Sample of the internal dialogue that I have pretty much every day. I worry about my husband from time to time, not as much as the kids, but I think it's natural to worry about your husband. Is he exercising enough? Am I supportive enough with the things he wants to do? Yes, he's playing 18 holes at the Belfry today for his birthday. Yes, I am. <laughs> Shine my halo. Um, does he wish you were single again so he could just work and play golf? <laughs> Possibly sometimes. Uh, I worry about my parents and my sister, my niece away at uni in Brighton. What is she getting up to and with whom? Uh, I worry about the future. What am I doing with my life? I turned 40 this year. Am I being the best person I can be? Would Oprah be proud of me? Or am I being too lazy sitting at home watching Netflix every night for programs I've seen a gazillion times and know the script of instead of reading a book and, and getting better academically? And endless other worries that bombard my mind several times a day, most days. Some of you are sitting there thinking, she's a nutter, why have they given her the microphone? But many of you are thinking, I do that too. Because the good and the bad thing about my own relationship with worry is that I know I'm not alone. <laughs> it's a national pandemic, actually. Statistically, one in four people in the UK suffer with some form of mental health issue, and they reckon that 30% of adults experience some kind of anxiety disorder at some point in their lives, 30%. Now, anecdotally, I also barely seem to go from one week to another where I don't hear of someone else in my friendship group or the friends of my friendship group who are also really anxious, suffering with their anxiety, suffering with their worry, suffering with stress and nerves. And I'm sure if you had a 30-second reflection right now, you could probably think of people that you know who are going through the same kind of thing. It may even be you. Now, scientists, they deliberate over why this is. Why are we all of a sudden so anxious as a nation, as a world? Have we always been this way? Is it just a case of people underreported it in the past and we've always been this anxious? Some blame COVID, the pandemic. Um, some blame the pressures inflicted by social media in this generation that weren't around in previous ones. The pressure to be, compare yourself to other people, the FOMO, even poor sleep habits. There's loads of reasons that scientists give for us being so anxious. But whatever the cause, here's the truth. People struggling with anxiety is nothing new. It's nothing new. It's human nature to worry, and Jesus knows it. It's been an issue for humans since the dawn of time. And the Bible, for that reason, is full of wisdom about how we handle worry and anxiety. And Jesus himself challenged the issue head on. So I think it would be a really good place to start to read what he actually said about worry. You'll have read this, some of you, a gazillion times 
possibly heard it uh, spoken on lots and lots of times. But there's always life in the Word of God. So we're going to read it again together. And then I'm going to share with you just the things that I've picked out from this verse in the last couple of weeks and how God spoke to me. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. This is from the NIV version. I'm saying that because I'm using different versions of the Bible all the way through. This one's from the NIV. The title of the section is Do Not Worry. That's helpful, isn't it? And this is what he said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> I love the ending of that. Have you ever thought God wasn't a realist? Read that verse. I'm telling you, he's not pie in the sky when you die by and by. Our God is an absolute realist. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Ain't that the truth? So I want to spend just a short time today thinking about three things in relation to this topic. First of all, number one, why did Jesus tell us not to worry? How do we stop worrying? And why do we keep on worrying? So we'll start with the first one. Why did Jesus tell us not to worry? Because that's what that verse says, right? It couldn't be more clear. Do not worry. He says it several times, very clearly. Not like worry when you feel like it or every now and then is okay. No, do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow. The good thing is, he actually didn't tell us not to worry at all. <laughs> he told us not to worry about tomorrow. <laughs> There's a clear little distinction there. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus isn't stupid. When he walked the earth, he was both fully God and fully human. And as a human being, he experienced every human emotion that he, that he could. That means he knew what it was to worry. Because worry is a natural human emotion. We all do it. And if Jesus was a human and, a, and God, he knows what it's like to worry. He can, he can empathize. He knows that worrying and being a caring human being, they go hand in hand. When we care for someone or something, it's natural and actually biologically healthy to know that that caring also contains concern. When we care for someone, we are concerned for their welfare. We do worry that they're safe and that they're happy and that they're healthy. It's okay to do that on a day-to-day -day basis, Jesus said. Today does have enough trouble of its own. If we didn't show concern for people, we couldn't show that we care. The two are kind of the same, two sides of the same coin. I care for my kids, therefore I have concern for their welfare. That motivates me to feed them and clothe them and keep them warm. Right now, today. That kind of worry, Jesus said, that's okay. Each day does have enough trouble of its own, and in the imperfect world that we live in, we need to think about that trouble and respond on a day-to-day -day basis. We need to take care of the people around us. It's okay to worry about today, but, Jesus said, that's different to worrying about tomorrow. 
That's different than worrying about what may or may happen, may not happen in the future, because that is a complete waste of time. It is futile. You can't add, do anything about what may or may happen tomorrow. We can't control it, and we can't add a single hour to our life, Jesus said, by worrying about how long we might live. All we do by worrying is waste time today. We miss the beauty of the moment when we worry about what might or may not happen next. That's what this verse is all about. Now, I don't know about you, but lots of things I read in the Bible, sometimes I find them a little bit ethereal, a bit prophetic or symbolic or metaphorical, the parables, the analogies, the symbolic references, but not Jesus' teaching on worry. There's nothing metaphorical about this. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing there like meaning to unpick. And do you really understand what he really meant? No, it's absolutely black and white. In fact, actually, none of the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is ethereal or metaphorical. The whole thing is like a step-by-step guidebook to living life well. If you have not read it, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, read it. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. The most black and white of Jesus ever gets. But as well as being really practical in the Bible, you know what? Science has proved Jesus to be true as well. We shouldn't worry. Worry is bad for our health. It literally changes the way your brain functions. Um, a friend of mine has got a condition called, I don't want to say it wrong, I think it's called MNE. It's a little bit like ME, but it's caused by worry and stress. She was uh, in a, a domestically violent marriage for a long, long time. She suffered a lot of tragedy in her life. She's about 60. A lot of tragedy in her life as a younger person, lots of financial pressures, real hardship, proper stress. And what's happened is her brain has started to, on the scan, it looks like there's black splodges in different parts of it. And those black splodges are, are trapping or stopping the functions of her brain talking to her arms. So she can no longer move her arms because there's a black splodge over that part of her brain that tells her arm to move. She can't talk anymore. There's a black splodge on that part of her brain. So she can understand, but she can't speak. She can just do this to communicate. She can't move her arms at all. They're up here. She can't walk anymore, and she can't swallow. So she's now tube-fed via a tube in her stomach throughout the night. The doctors have said the reason she's in that place is because she had such a difficult, difficult um, life. The stress the worry, the anxiety of the things that she had to go through literally caused her brain to stop working properly. Google it. The impact of worry on your health is terrible. Jesus was right. We shouldn't worry. It's bad for you. <laughs> it's actually bad for you. So what Jesus teaches here is actually life-changing and life-saving don't worry about what might be. Don't let what worry about the future shift your focus from the here and now because we miss out on so much of the joy of the moment when we do that, when we live so many years ahead of each day through worry and our health will be massively negatively impacted by prolonged worry and anxiety. And he's right, of course he is. I know that from experience, that worry is debilitating and God wants us to live free from that. The Bible says it like this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. <laughs> And Jesus' solution to living life free from worry is so practical. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. So that sounds dead simple. Okay, everyone got it? Sorted? Brilliant. Lovely. Right, I'm done. Pete, the band, come back. No. If it were that easy, 
I wouldn't have reeled off all the things at the start that I still worry about because I love Jesus and I know this scripture and yet I still struggle with worry. I know it's bad for me. I know what Jesus said I shouldn't do. So how do we stop worrying? How do you do it? How do you put it into practice? How do you live this verse out? How do I stop fretting about tomorrow and embrace today? So let's get practical, people. It's one thing knowing we shouldn't do it. It's quite another stopping a worrying thought in its track when it starts to escalate, as mine often do. So here's what I've learned from personal experience. Just over the last few months, two things. To stop a worry, I've learned, first of all, confess it. I think, for me anyway, except when I've got a microphone in my hand, often the way that I cope with worrying is to hide them. <laughs> don't tell people they'll think you're off your trolley. So we don't, we, don't, or we don't want to make our friends worry about us or our husband or our wife or our parents worry if they know that we're worrying. So we bottle it up and we keep it to ourselves. The things that are causing us anxiety, we hide them. And I've tried that approach, even recently. Um, this is the background. Guess, guess who it's about? Which kid? No, not Thomas, actually. Funnily enough. No, the youngest. Always. It's always the youngest. What's that about? Um, so Daniel... Um, this, is, this is the latest worry. Daniel, um, after he finished reception class, was um, predicted as being just below the targets for his reading and writing. So he didn't quite meet the early development goals for end of reception. And so I had, you know, I was oh, mortified. Uh, did the old gun at the school, why, why is the teacher so crap? That didn't work, it wasn't her fault. He just didn't get reception. He was little and didn't get it. Um, then we did a whole summer of, okay, if you come into our house, you'll see in the conservatory, life group can testify to this, it's covered in tricky words and phonics. And we so much work over the summer to get him caught up. And then thinking he was, and then at Christmas they gave us his school report and he's still just below where he should be. The teacher, however, said that she was really happy with his progress, that he's come on leaps and bounds from when he started and she's no doubt that he'll get there at the end of the year. But all I heard was, He's still just below. So, um, applying Matthew 6 to this scenario should have looked something like this. That's a shame. I'm disappointed Dan's not quite hitting the target still. But that does make me worry a little bit. But the teacher isn't too worried. She sent a new reading book home. Let's sit down with Dan, trust his teacher in, in what she said. She's the expert after all. That's not what I did. <laughs> this is how I reacted. I can't believe he's still not where he should be. What are we going to do? This is, this is true. I'm not exaggerating this, people. This is genuinely where my thoughts went. What if he never learns to, learns to read or write properly? What if he always finds himself at the bottom of the class throughout school? How is he going to cope in high school if he's in the bottom set? The dossers are in the bottom set. I know they're not. But in my head, he's going to be hanging around with kids that don't want to learn. He's going to start smoking weed. Daniel's going to start smoking weed. We're going to find bottles of woodpecker under his bed like I had when I was 14. What if he starts hanging around with proper losers? He's going to fail all his exams. He won't have any qualifications. He'll have to chop carrots for a living. My boy's going to chop carrots for a living. That's what happened to me. That's where a worry can take you. Worrying about tomorrow. Now, when I hear myself saying it, I know it's ridiculous. I know it is. Daniel's five years old. His progress is really good. There's nothing to worry about. All kids learn and develop properly. I know, I've Googled it. I know all that, but that didn't help. When the worry took hold, it was absolutely debilitating. 
I was blinded by the concern, crippled by the anxiety. It made me feel very hopeless and very scared. Thankfully, Jesus lives in me. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper something to me one evening. Tell Matt what you're thinking. So I did, sheepishly. I said, Matt, I'm going to tell you something and you're going to think I'm such a weirdo, but will you just hear me out, please? And told him all the things I've just shared with you. And Matt, being just the brilliant, level-headed person he is, was able very quickly to point out that I was being very easily sucked into just believing tripe. And he prayed for me to be set free from the worry and it's been a lot better since I confessed it and shared it with him. And the reason is Matt could tell me and show me the dwarf... The, the giant that I built out of the dwarf or the mountain that I'd made out of the molehill. And guess what? <laughs> Ironically, a few weeks later, Dan's moved up a reading book and he's back on where he should be. <laughs> because 85% of what we worry about never, ever happens. True. That's why it's don't worry about tomorrow. It's a complete waste of time. Most of the stuff that we worry about doesn't even happen. And yet, we let ourselves be robbed and tied up in knots by believing just lies. But I'm so, so glad that the Holy Spirit told me to do that, that little nudge, tell him, tell Matt. Because the, the Bible articulates what I did beautifully in a verse in James. This is James 5, verse 16. It's, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I know that referring to worry or anxiety as a sin might seem a bit harsh, because it's often not an intentional thing that we do. It's not like watching porn or snorting coke or cheating or stealing. Worry is often subconscious and not intentional. You know, most people don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, what should I worry about today? You know, it's not, we don't want to do it. So is it really a sin? But yeah, worry is ultimately rooted in a lack of trusting what God has said. And therefore, it's a debilitation that we need healing from. We need forgiveness for. It's a sin. It needs confessing. And that, when you confess it, that's what James says, that's how the power of sin is broken. That's how the worry is, is, is knocked away by saying it. This is not, I'm going to confess this because it's just not true. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's how healing comes. We confess it to each other and we confess it to God. So how do we stop worrying? First of all, we confess the worry. We share it with someone that we trust. But there's something else I've learned too. To stop worry crippling us, we also have to do something else. We have to spend time with God. And often that's the last thing you want to do when you're worrying about stuff. When the worry is so prevalent and all you can think about is what might or might not be, often the last thing you want is to spend time with God because God's supposed to make everything okay, isn't he? If God really cared about me, this wouldn't be happening anyway. And there comes in the lie and it cuts us off. It stops that relationship. But... Thankfully, in that scenario with Daniel and his reading, alongside telling Matt what I was thinking, confessing it to him, I made sure that I continue to do what I do most days. 6.15, alarm goes off. Downstairs, have a cup of coffee, otherwise I fall asleep. 45 minutes before the children get up, I pray. I do the Lectio um, devotional and I read my Bible every day. And I made sure I kept doing that in the heart of that worry because... Lately, and it's hard, lately when the mornings are cold and it's dark, you don't, last thing you want to do is get out of bed. But I found that when I'm bound by those lies and that worry and the anxiety, actually the presence of God is often where I'm, I'm genuinely regrounded back in the truth again. Because he is truth. Truth isn't a concept to grasp. It's not something you study about at uni. 
Truth is a person to encounter. His name's Jesus. He says, I am the truth. When worry comes in and we feel trapped by anxiety, we need to remember that the devil is a liar. We need to be aware of his schemes. And when worries come into our minds, the Bible says we should take captive those worries, take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Jesus. If the devil is a liar, the only way that he's overcome is by the truth. And truth, like I say, is not a concept, he's a person. A person to encounter. A person that changes us when we spend time with him. The more we spend time in the presence of the truth, the easier it is to spot a lie. So with all this in mind, if we know that Jesus tells us not to worry, and we know that confessing a worry and spending time with God can diminish our worries, the question has to be asked, why do I keep on worrying? (laughs) Why do we still do it? Because many of you, you've heard all this before, I have, and yet I still worry. It's all well and good knowing what Jesus says about worry and what we should do about it when it happens, but the reality is often we continue to be bound by worry because I don't think we really believe that God can actually help us with it. So I want to bring it into land today by really briefly breaking down four of the biggest misconceptions I think we have about why God can't help us with what we're worrying about. Line number one. God doesn't care. God doesn't care about my worries. They're stupid. Why would God? That's God, and this is me. God doesn't care. God doesn't care what level reading book Dan's on. And I think that often is the lie that we get sucked into. We believe that God is so big and so detached, and we are so small and insignificant. He's not bothered by the things that we're bothered about. They're silly. But it's not true. (laughs) It's not true. Listen to this. This is the Amplified Version, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It's absolutely beautiful. Cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. God cares about you. He cares about what's causing you anxiety and distress. So tell him. He wants to listen. Because that's line number two. God won't listen. God doesn't care and God won't listen. He won't listen to my concerns. But again, it's just not true. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, talking therapy, it's been proven to help a lot of people. I know lots of people that are in therapy, people that love Jesus and are solid as a rock in their faith, and they're still having talking therapy. It's very, very effective. I highly recommend it. I've had it myself. There's nothing wrong with seeing a human therapist. It can really, really help. Counseling can be helpful, though, because talking... (laughs) having someone listen to you is a really effective way of articulating how you're feeling and and being released from it. And the best thing is that our God's got this name. He's a counsellor. And not any old counsellor. He's a wonderful counsellor. He's a wonderful counsellor. He listens like a counsellor listens. He listens to us. He's a wonderful counsellor. And through his word, he speaks wisdom and truth. There's no better listener than our God. Don't believe the lie that he doesn't want to hear you out. He does. 
Lie number three, God can't help. He doesn't care, he doesn't listen, and God can't help with my problems. They're just too big. I'm beyond help. Not true. Listen to this. Matthew 19, 26. Nothing is impossible for God. Not even you. <laughs> I've been told in the past, God, you are just impossible, Lindsay. Well, that's all right. Nothing's impossible for God. No situation, no concern, no worry or anxiety is insurmountable for God because nothing is. Ban, do you guys want to come back up? We don't have to be bound by worry, you know. You, you, you sat here today surrounded by Christian people that are your family. Pete shared that earlier. This is the family of God. And if you've got worries or anxieties that are tying you up, share them with someone here. Yeah, absolutely. Life groups are back up this week. That's what life groups are about, doing life with each other. Confess the worry. You're in a Christian family with people that are really wise <laughs> and will do for you what Matt's done for me on many, many occasions. And alongside each other, you have a loving father as head over this family that we're all part of who loves you and cares for you more than you'll ever know. He's a father who listens and counsels and a father that can do the impossible. The wonderful counselor. Tell him, tell him your worries. Spend time in his presence and experience the freedom that his peace brings. The words of Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, he says it much better than me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So as we worship now, I'm just going to take some time while, while the band play to just tell God your worries. <laughs> tell him. No matter how silly they seem, tell him what you're worrying about. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him what you think that you need. And let's thank him for all that he's done. And experience that logic-compelling peace that only he can bring that helps us to live lighter and freer. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you so much, Jesus, for the, the incredible Father that you are. Thank you that you love us, Lord. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you listen. And thank you that you're able to lift impossible burdens. And as we worship you now, Father, our Holy Spirit, I pray that you just release your peace in people as they confess their worries and their anxieties and their concerns to you, Lord God, would we each experience that flooding of your perfect, logic-compelling peace in our hearts, Lord, so that we can leave this place living freer and lighter, just experiencing the joy of the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. 
God bless.